This is Masters Cast, your first He-Man and She-Ra podcast, episode number 37 for March 14th, 2010. Hey, and thanks for downloading. I'm John Callis, also known as The Shadow. I am Martin Penny, also known as Wacky Martin. And I am Just a Lioncourt, also known as Just Lioncourt. And uh, Katie Rainbow Bright was not able to join us uh, today, but she'll be back for the next episode. I think we have a really exciting episode for you today, but first let's go over some of the news that's been hitting our fair fandom uh, this past month. And I believe Josh wanted to bring up the uh, She-Ra biography for the Masters of the Universe Classics line. Not a whole lot to say here, but uh, we did get the new uh, bio and pictures of She-Ra in her packaging. The new bio uh, discusses uh, She-Ra's place leading the Great Rebellion on Etheria uh, against uh, Hordak and the Horde, who eventually escapes Despondos, where Etheria is apparently located, and heads off to Eternia, where She-Ra and the Rebels follow and join the renegade Masters of the Universe, so presumably... Skeletor is in control by that point. So this is a far future of uh, our timelines that we know of in uh, something like the Filmation series and, and that sort of thing. I like the bio. I like where they're going. I like that we're getting a more fleshed out history. And uh, I think it's very cool. Yeah, I was fine with the bio as well. I saw some people were complaining that Etheria um, is in Despondos. I don't really have a problem with that. I look at it as, say, Shira, you know, also known as the Champion of Light, um, I like the idea that perhaps Etheria is the one, you know, glowing, nice spot of the universe in this horrible dimension, which also would mean more reason why Hordak would kind of be attracted to it, try to take it over and destroy it. Uh, so I think that makes perfect sense to me. And we don't really know, as I was uh, saying previously, that uh, Despondos is necessarily a horrible, terrible place. We're only assuming that because of the Mike Young series and the classics may handle it differently. True. Maybe Despondos is like a roller disco type dimension. <laughs> it could. It could be. That would give us an explanation for Disco Skeletor. Yes, and, <laughs> and Perfuma's conga line. So There you go. <laughs> it all fits. It all fits. Um, also, depending on when you're listening to this or depending on when I upload it, um, either Moss Man goes on sale tomorrow, um, is currently on sale, or is already sold out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's highly unlikely that he's currently on sale unless you just happen to be listening to this in the first 14 minutes that he's on sale <laughs> i'm i'm a, I'm a happy that's oh, okay <laughs> i'm a happy no, no. i was gonna say i'm a happy subscriber so i don't have to sit in line um tomorrow and the subscribers get unflocked ears which i do prefer so um happy and we should point out that you will hopefully be hearing this before April, and when the April figures go on sale, that sale date has been moved to the 19th instead of the 15th. Now, if I didn't have this up until, like, April, someone would really have to give me a talking to. <laughs> <laughs> Probably so, but uh, just pointing that out. <laughs> right. Back to she real quick. I would like to say shame on you, Maddie Collector, for packaging her in the box with that the the old toy um crown no comb no 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 the crown on her head um her tiara they're packaging it with the let's call it the mattel head instead of the filmation head 
and it just doesn't look good. I would, I mean, Shira is filmation. That's the design. So I mean, eh, that kind of that'll anger a lot of mint on card collectors. I think. And you, you know what? No matter which one they chose, it was going to upset somebody. I, I definitely prefer the filmation one as well, and I completely agree with you. But there's there are those strange toy line diehard people out there, and I, yeah, but they're the they're the minority. In this, I, I in this would. One. I would tend to agree, but at this point, does it really matter? I mean, look at look at the the uproar over Optics Bio. Well, I mean, it, it there's going to be. It matters to me because I would prefer. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. The filmation. I agree. <laughs> I'm just saying, from Mattel's perspective, no matter what they do, they're going to get uh, some some flashbacks. I, I, I so. know. I mean, I I didn't complain about Battle Cat's tiny claws. People were complaining about his his claws. You know, um, I noticed those as well on my are battle. They, are they tiny? I don't think they're. Tiny. Yeah, they they they. I, you know, I, although I will say that it might be just because we're kind. At least me, anyway. I'm kind of used to the. You know, well, the original had no claws, mm-hmm. and now the only one we've got with claws before this one was the Mike Young one, which had very huge, kind of cool claws, and these are kind of lackluster compared to those. So I think that might be where. And it may not be that they that they are really that small. It's just compared to the the two thousand line battle cat, they look small. Claws to paws. <laughs> that's right. That's a that's a line from which yeah. episode is that from? Is that uh think, can't remember what... think deeply, folks. Uh I think it's the Christmas special, isn't it? Oh, we have a winner. <laughs> I can't believe I pulled that out. I could hear He-Man saying it in my head, and I was like, which one is it? Which one is it? <laughs> Woo! All right, so the main beef of this episode, <laughs> uh, since, someone, <laughs> since someone just had dinner, is um, we're, we're going to review the, um, the script that is no longer going to be used um, for a He-Man live-action movie. It's the Grayskull uh, Masters of the Universe uh, script penned by Justin Marks back when um, it was uh, Warner Brothers who was going to do the uh, Masters of the Universe live action movie. And all three of us have uh, read through the script, all about oh, over a hundred some pages of it. And um, it's a very interesting read. Right off the bat, I just want to get everyone's uh, rating on it. Uh, Martin, one through ten, how would you rate the piece? I would rate it around six. Any particular reason? Just in general. Um, I I expected I wouldn't really like it, and I was pleasantly surprised. But there were still some elements I very much did not like. (laughs) Very understandable. Josh? Uh, My overall rating is a seven, and uh, the reason for that is I think this is an excellent script, and in that, if, if j- based just on its scriptness, I would say it's probably an eight. But it's not the Masters movie I would want to see. And as a Masters fan, I would only give it maybe a six. So that kind of averages out to a seven, I think. So um, there's definitely elements I I don't like. There's a lot I do. Um, as a as just a movie script, I think it's very good. Yeah, I came in about uh, right between you guys. I I would give it about a six point five out of ten. Uh, like Josh, I, I thought it was a pretty good 
um, type of movie script. Um, there are elements, though, of the Masters of the Universe mythos that uh, I would have preferred to be handled differently than the script does. But that being said, I went into it, as I, I had said previously, you know, in many places, that I am very open to them changing whatever they want. <laughs> uh, and I'll go into it with an open mind, and then if I don't like it, I will not like it after I've given the, the movie a fair uh, read, view, whatever have you. Uh, so the the movie starts out um, with an Evil Inn voiceover, which really surprised me uh, that they didn't use the sorceress to tell this tale. But I think, Josh, uh, you preferred Evil Inn. I, I like what they did here. Evil Inn's um, sort of alluded to backstory in this script is that, well, actually, we should explain that there there is a, a sort of cult on Eternia called called the Masters of the Universe, who are these these group of of sorcerers who were entrusted thousands of years ago uh, to hide the two halves of the the power sword and keep them safe, um, and that sort of uh, has been passed down through generations in in this cult, and it's sort of alluded to throughout the script that Evelyn is one of the one of the members of of the masters of the universe in that sense, and that she's sort of gone renegade. And so in that respect, I think it made sense to have her do the the opening. Um, It kind of kept the sorceress behind the scenes until it was time to start uh, pulling her out. And uh, I liked liked the way that was handled, personally. Martin? Um, I would have preferred the sorceress myself. (laughs) Or... Um, I just don't really like Evelyn in this script as a character. Why do you say that? Because um, <laughs> she's just sort of annoying. <laughs> she's like sort of like her uh, Mike Young Productions cartoon portrayal in which she just sticks her nose into everybody else's business and betrays everyone and backstabs and not really a very likable character. Yeah, I I do though. I actually like how um, I, I I can see the both points. Sor- not using the sorceress or using Evelyn for the for the opening. Let me get that out first. And she actually tells the story about how the two swords were created, how they were hidden, blah blah blah. To me, this is not information that Evelyn should have in her general knowledge. I, I, that's why I feel that it, that's why I felt like the sorceress should be giving us this information. But Evelyn does play an you know intricate role in in in. The the script in which I do kind of like how she does manipulate Skeletor because the Skeletor in this script um, actually we get the motivation better as to why he wants to you know capture Eternia why does he want to do this we actually have a better drive at least it's described better in this script than say it was in filmation uh, or especially in not it wasn't even you know, really tackled in filmation, but in the Mike Young, it was sort of hinted at and all that stuff. But um, here in the script, we're like, okay, Keldor is Randor's brother. Obviously, Randor is top dog. Everybody loves him, hugs and kisses. Um, he gets the kingdom. You know, it's, uh, Keldor is the ninny, haha. It's not going to get anything, and then uh, ends up with the kingdom. Go ahead, Martin. No, after you. (laughs) I was just going to say, which kind of leads us into my number one problem with the script, if we want to tackle that at this point, which is 
most of my favorite top tier characters are killed off in this movie. And I'm not <laughs> pleased uh, about that aspect of it. Well, well, let's start off then with the with the with the first one. Um, pr- pretty early on in the movie, very early on in the movie, um, they kill off King Randor and Skeletor takes over. Mm. I, I, and there's no uh, Queen Marlena, is there? No. Uh, yeah, she's not. She's not even uh, mentioned or there, but uh, she's not. Um, her existence isn't denied either. It's just no. she's just not referenced, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, you know, King Randor of all of the characters they killed off, he was probably the one I minded least. But I, I still didn't uh, didn't appreciate the that aspect of it uh, very much. And it, it, I, if it had just been Randor, I would have been fine with it. Is I guess what I should say it was the accumulation of of other characters that we'll get to later. Well, that, uh, that bothered me. One thing I did like about this, though, was just like in the 1987 movie. In the 1987 movie, when we come into the movie, Skeletor has already basically won. He already has Grayskull. I always kind of like that aspect of the the heroes having to go, you know, and right what has been wronged. So it's kind of like that in this movie. Right off the bat, Skeletor wins. You know, he's not searching for Grayskull in this movie. He wants the throne. I mean, that's his main goal at the beginning of the movie is to get Randor out of there and take over the kingdom. Yeah, and I totally agree, which is why I think if it had just been Randor, if it had just been for the setup, I probably could have lived with it a bit better. But, yeah, I agree, though. I mean, of all the people that get killed off in this movie, Randor is the least of my worries. I agree, although I think they'd sort of uh, written themselves into a bit of a hole with it if they'd done you know, future movies after this one, because then... They would have had to have a He-Man who was king, which may have worked, but may have been a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that is strange, and that's that is a good point. That uh, this is supposed to be the first of a trilogy, and so now King Adam is is the hero, and that's that is a little bit odd because now you you have to deal with sort of the. And they don't deal with it at all. The sort of the the two conflicting interests one keeping the the throne safe until there's an heir they're keeping mm. the ruler safe until there's an heir and the the person that's supposed to be protecting them from these horrible horrific things on eternia so well since we got into that let's just jump to the end of the movie and then we'll cover the middle because uh, we've already re- mentioned of of uh, he-man basically being the king and that is because while there is a transformation sequence in fact there's two um they're not exactly how we envision them, but they are pretty cool. I have to say the way they were written up, especially the second one. When the oh, two... I, see, I preferred the first one, so well, that'll be interesting when we get into that. Well, okay, yeah, let's get into that later. So, so there's two transformation sequences. We will cover. We will cover this. They're both near the end of the movie when Adam becomes He-Man. But as we said, um, it's not that Adam becomes He-Man. He-Man or Adam becomes this this legend. He-Man that's, you know, said to come and save, you know, the the people or whatnot. My problem with this is there's no more secret identity. So everybody knows Adam is He-Man, and they still call him Adam. And so yeah. now He-Man, like you said, He-Man is the king at the end of the movie, um, which is kind of, you know, definitely a conflict. I mean, how can you, it's very, it's going to be very hard to be He-Man out in the battles and still, you know, king of your people. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> well then, no arguments there. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um but that that'll be interesting on how they they you know they handle that. Um 
I mean, how they would have handled it in a sequel, since this script is no longer going to be used. Um, but uh, very interesting, very interesting. So if we fast uh, rewind back <laughs> to earlier um, in the movie, uh, Adam is basically in, in exile, uh, man-at-arms, if I remember correctly, sends him off. He's like, get out of here. He, like, rips the uh, royal crest from his uh, from his uh, shirt. Like a medallion. Yeah, yeah, so that he can't be identified, although why people really wouldn't know what the prince looks like is beyond <laughs> Yeah, it's one, it's one of those, okay, it's a movie, so we'll go with that. But um, it ends up that um, uh, Prince Adam is taken in by Zodak. Well, yeah, we should point out, though, at, at that point, Skeletor believes... Adam's dead. Oh, correct. Yes, Adam is yeah, dead. That's an important you know, point. All the royal peeps are gone. That's why it's all Skeletor. Which, by the way, you will refer to as Skeletor, and he will always be wearing. <laughs> always note, note to movie maker, <laughs> he will always be wearing that chrome mask. Always. Which is also also not true. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I was waiting for there to be another note. Skeletor is now allowed to remove. <laughs> <laughs> his <Yeah>. chrome skull. <laughs> I which can we get, should we get into that for a second since you brought it up the chrome oh, skull thing because that, that is that's mentioned early on. That is true. Now, uh, so instead of having this like a rubber type mask like they had in the '87 movie, which I liked, um, and instead of doing some type of CG um, stuff to someone's face, they've come up with that the actor playing Skeletor will wear a chrome skull mask. Thoughts? I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, it's it's used as we'll get to later as just so they can have a gimmick toward the end of the film, which bothered me. Uh, it's it you know as I uh, was pointing out to Shadow earlier, it reminds me uh, far too much of General Grievous from the Star Wars films, who had a like a chrome skull type thing. And there's a lot of Star Wars influence in this movie already. Um, I just, it's, it's unnecessary and irritating and I don't like it. Martin? Uh, I fully agree with everything Josh has just said. Very annoying that he doesn't have, I mean, does he have the skull? It's not really clear. Do you say that he's sort of wasting away? Well, yeah, but, uh, it, it, at the end, toward the end, um, it's, that's it what the, the end, gimmick it? is. It's the yeah. big reveal that his mask gets knocked off and he's got the skull underneath. It's mm. like just just let us have the skull. We don't need. Yeah, we know it's there. It, it's ridiculous. It, it just it not good. Well, guys, it saves on the special effects a budget, so they don't have to you know CG his skull in on every scene. I don't care. <laughs> no, with, but, uh... with, the, with the amount of special effects that would have been needed for this movie already, take a few of those out and give a Skeletor skull. Frankly. Yeah. Well, no, I, I agree with you guys. I'm not big on this chrome skull idea. I actually like the rubber mask from the 87 movie. Um, I'm not big on CG either, like um, Ghost Rider, um, that kind of stuff. No, I don't want that either. So I think they could, they just need to be creative in their Hollywood genius um, and make me something that I'm happy with. Uh, I, I just, just because you've said it several times, it's actually not a rubber mask in the 87 movie. It was... Uh, make makeup that was caked on to his face. It's uh, actually not a rubber mask. No, there's rubber prosthetics though on his face. There, there may be a couple of pieces, but the vast majority of it is actually makeup that they caked well, on yeah, I mean, very, he, very thick. I like mean, the he, teeth and everything, all that is makeup. 
Well, yeah, I mean, he has obviously he has makeup on, but there's 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 rubber on his face. I I don't know that there's no rubber at all, but I know the vast majority of the skull. Well, is... what, wait now, what, what are you talking about? Because he even says in the commentary. Well, that's where he mask. talks about the. That's where in the commentary he talks about the the makeup being heavily heavily caked on to give it that look, rather than using rubber, because they wanted the it to move more fluidly with the actor's flesh. Well, yeah, but I mean, there are still rubber. There may be a pieces. couple of pieces. I just because know the majority. Otherwise, of it, it really would. You know, his um his face would not really look like um a skull. Yeah, mean, there might there might be a couple of pieces, but they were talking about like that's it's like caked on like very very thick, as thick as the rubber would be. But it was actually done with makeup. Eh, so. Well, yeah, in places, but I mean, his entire structure of cheekbones around his eyes, his nose, um, and around his mouth. I mean, that's if it's not rubber. I mean, it's some type of plaster substance <laughs> that they. Yeah, have. I think we'll have to go back and listen be. to the commentary track. Yeah, because um, I'm looking at a picture of him right now. He's looking with his loving eyes uh, right into me, and um, yeah, I mean, there's obviously makeup on there, but um, there's also uh, if Frank Langella's real face was shaped like that, uh, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be playing a uh, Frost Nixon in you know. In that, in a, <laughs> Um, anyway, anyway, um, yeah, I'm not big. They need to learn, take note, people complained in the G.I. Joe movie about Cobra Commander's, uh, clear-looking weird mask at the end, instead of using the silver mask or the hood, um, so don't do the chrome mask. (laughs) Yeah, I think the thing, it'll, it'll be even worse than... Like the reaction we got to Cobra Commanders, because at least he had a variety of masks, mm-hmm. whereas Skeletor has only ever had the one skull look. Yes, he's not had. They can't really. Uh, there's no room for changing it around, really. I don't think. <laughs> and and actually, this kind of ties in um, very neatly with another point that I'd like to make before we go in with the actual story. Story, um, which is Skeletor. And his minions are much less magical from the beginning th- all the way through this, and a lot more te- technological. Basically, the the dark sword, the sword of evil that he has, um, which is the one half of the power sword, gives uh, him the ability to sort of transform things and give them cyborg parts and this kind of thing, um, including Panthor, which is mentioned pretty early on as well, right around the point where we are now. Um, uh, Panther, instead of being this huge panther that he rides, he's got, he's like half machine, more, more machine now than cat. (laughs) um, It's, I don't like it. I liked the fact that Skeletor is kind of the same problem I had uh, to some extent with the new adventures, although that was sort of forgivable because it was supposed to be a, an extension of the original mythos. This is replacing Skeletor's sorcery, sorcerer, identity with this cyborg type thing with the mask and and all of his minions and the things around him is too too much too much tech uh, we needed more more magic on that side of things i think yeah i think there was a lack of uh, a good synergy between uh like fantasy and sci-fi in the movie i think it did lean a little bit more like you said sci-fi with the the technological elements and too too much because yeah. that's when you start getting into more Star Wars territory. I like the fact that Masters was. It, I like the fact that it had the blend of fantasy and sci-fi, 
but it's always been more about the fantasy and this one started to lean too far uh to the right which i think new adventures did as well which is why i'm not as big a fan of new adventures either so well master sebrian is not in the movie so (laughs) no he's not (laughs) although he could have been Maybe that's who Lennox grows up to be, but we'll get to that. Oh, yes. Let's, let's, let's start off and say, again, please don't put annoying children in my Masters of the Universe yeah. movie. I had to deal with that with Power Rangers Turbo, and it did not make me happy. <laughs> we'll get to that a little later. Get so, later. Um, uh, yeah, okay. So, um, exiled Adam, that little punk, he's, um, <laughs> he's taken in by Zodak, that that big punk. Uh, so yeah, we haven't mentioned Adam's only 14 at this point. Yeah, he's, he's pretty, very, he's, he's very young and Zodak and the sorceress are all like, uh, uh-uh, you can't handle the sword of light right now. Nope, nope, nope. Not your time, man. Not your time. <laughs> you have to wait so we can have a couple pages of a training montage of years of training. <laughs> So how do we feel about Zodak being the character that basically shapes, molds, trains uh, young Adam? I, um, I'm quite happy with that, I think. Um, I could have lived with it being Man at Arms, but I think if you're going to put Zodak in there, then that's a good role to put him in because his whole cosmic enforcer thing won't really work in a movie series. And I've always thought that was a somewhat pointless aspect anyway. You can't interfere. So he basically just sits around in a chair. (laughs) So um, if you're going to have him in the movie, I think that's a good way to put him in. And I imagine him being the um, 200X Zodak. Mm -hmm. Me too. Yeah, he's described yeah. Uh, exactly like the 200X Zodak. So, yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with Martin. It's a good role to have him in. I don't, I didn't mind the the training um, montage. Uh, Zodak was portrayed actually. Zodak was portrayed as a very likable character in this script, unlike the Mike Young's uh, version of Zodak, which was not very likable character at all. As much as I I like him in terms of. The story, generally speaking, um, in Mike Young, uh, he wasn't a very likable character, and he's a very, very likable, personable sort of uh, characterization of him in this, which which um, which I liked, and I, I don't have a problem. The, the 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 only problem really I had with this section is it's it's a little too much. Again, as I kept saying, a little too much Star Wars influence. It's like the Obi Wan training Luke how to use the Force, or Yoda training Luke how to use it. This is Zodak training Adam how to you know use the power. Essentially, I mean, it's kind of what it boils down to, and it's a little little too much. But um, but it was okay. I, I and I I I think it's a good role to have him in and. If they wanted to go this route, this was a, a needed, um, a needed uh, aspect to the story. I think. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. I think I, I get your point definitely about how it being a little bit too uh, Luke Skywalker um, in this. Uh, you know, it took so long to train Luke and blah blah blah. Force this, force that. You know, I'm not like the huge Star Wars nut, so. <laughs> but um. You know, I, so um, it's better than having, I guess, you know, Lookie showing up and, you know, like it could have been Yoda, it could have been Lookie and being like, ha ha, you're so awesome. But, uh, <laughs> but, but in my, that was not even a Yoda voice. That was Mickey Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> mm, use the power you will. 
true. <laughs> well, you know, Loki could be giving him morals of the day to like be like, no, 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 you can't kill anybody or something. Um, but um, so, but you're right. Zodak is much less of an ass. I mean, he's not really an ass in this one. If we're allowed to say that, I don't think we've ever said that on the podcast. But we're going to make an exception for Zodak because it's a compliment. <laughs> he, he's not like the 2000X. That's good. He looks like him though, which is good because it's a much better design. Love the you know the tattoos and then um, what is it Decker uh, later on in the movie. Um, all all of the people that tattoos, are part of that yeah. yeah all of the people that are part of that master's cult including Evelyn have those tattoos. Oh so. and well while we're talking we've, we've mentioned this cult thing uh, a couple times. I much prefer if we're gonna have to call some type of group. The quote-unquote masters of the universe. Um, I like how it was handled in the movie here with this cult aspect way more than how just the goody two-shoes in the Mike Young show were called the masters of the universe slash I, masters. I agree. Um, I agree. How, not not really a but per se, but, um, but there is one. That it's handled much, much better in the movie. Much prefer it like you. I don't like that in the movie it eventually ends up reverting to the heroes like it was in the Mike Young series. By the time you get to the end, now they are the masters. And I I, I wish they just left it as it was with the with the cult group that was entrusted with the swords. Yeah, it would have been better to leave the endearing term earlier in the movie and keep it there. Um, so how do we feel about... Um, well, while Adam's off being trained, Skeletor is, you know, head honcho of the kingdom and all. And he actually says a line that really got to me. It really <laughs> did. Um, Eva Lynn and Skeletor are talking, and Eva Lynn says something like, you know, I got this kingdom for you. And he's actually sort of worried about the people of Eternia, and he's like, but my people are starving. And Eva Lynn is all like, what? You know, and he's like, <laughs> she's like, why is it so important that they love Skeletor? Like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it really shows you why Skeletor has his motivation. He wants the love that Randor was getting with these people, you know, the old brother that he killed. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, it really, it really, I don't want to say goes out of its way because it's not going out of its way. This is just how it should be explained. Uh, you know, present us with some type of motivation. Why does, you know, Keldor want to take over the planet? We never got that explanation in, in filmation. You know what I mean? It's always just kind of been like, well, he's evil. Yeah, I, I agree. And in fact, the best dialogue in the movie, uh, throughout the movie, is the dialogue between Evelyn and Skeletor. Whenever they have a scene together, it was like, yes, now we're going to get some really good dialogue again. Um, and that's that was an excellent scene, and I love the motivation um, and how they handle that with Skeletor. They definitely make Skeletor, um, especially early on, a, a much more human character, a much more of a character that you can sort of identify with on some levels, which I really like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's not and, – and like I said, I can't say this enough. I love that they actually give us the drive – why does it? I mean, even the 1987 movie, it really didn't. It's like he all basically all he said is it was his destiny. Yes. Well, well, okay. My destiny is to you know go to the Dairy Queen after this and get myself a blizzard <laughs> and eat it. It's yummy. It's so good. That's stupid. Yep, so, I agree. This is much better. I applaud uh, Justin Marks for his uh, 
interpretation of Skeletor's motivation. Um, but it is uh, Evil Lynn who points out to our fair friend Skeletor that Prince Adam is still alive. See, I agree with you about the uh, motivation of Skeletor, which I think has, as you say, always been quite lacking. But um, Skeletor himself and how he's portrayed, I don't like. It was one of my major problems with it. Do explain. Because he's just sort of... He's such a sort of weak, pathetic sort of character throughout the film, and he's he's decaying, and he's just sitting in his throne and complaining, and he's letting himself be manipulated by Evelyn, and uh, I just don't particularly care for his. He's just sort of comes across as sort of a shadow of his former self, I suppose. Well, that's I, I, it's because he's I, not Hordak. Hordak is the ultimate evil. <laughs> oh, let's not start that again, ah. but. <laughs> Well, I will say, I, I get where Martin's coming from. However, I do think we sort of see the, um, you know, transition throughout the film. Yeah, Skeletor starts out that way. Um, but I think eventually he does sort of become the 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 badass, for lack of a better term, villain that we're used to. He just doesn't start in that point because they, you know, he's decaying away and all of this because of the, the sort of darkness that he's obtained. Um that Evelyn got for him in the desert somewhere. And uh, uh, in in uh, that aspect, you know, I don't, I think Skeletor, or Keldor, I should say, wasn't evil per se. It was his, um, it's almost a Darth Vader thing, unfortunately. It's sort of like his desire for the kingdom combined with the sort of darkness uh, turns him into the villain over the course of like the first half of the film or so. I'm okay with that. I think it's all right. Well, I, I like your point there. It is kind of like a Darth Vader thing. I didn't really realize that myself, but it does make sense. I mean, fueled uh, the the sort of darkness is basically amplifying, you know, the jealousy he had of Randor, the desire for the kingdom, the desire for the people to love him, um, that kind of thing. So it's amplified, much like you know when. You know, Anakin is getting, what, tempted by the dark side of the fool. Right. (laughs) Why you would listen to anyone, Anakin, that looked that ugly, (laughs) beyond me. If they're ugly in in your world, they tend to be evil. (laughs) Hasn't Anakin ever seen a movie before? Anyway. uh, But no, no, I I, I kind of agree. I can see your point there, Martin, too, because, you know, the Skeletor we're used to, too, is like he'll go out there with his Havoc staff and, you know, blast some people. It's not really happening the same type of way um, in this movie. And I I miss the Havoc staff. Yeah, there was no Havoc staff, was there? At least it wasn't mentioned. He could have a staff. Yeah, that's true. But it is more focused on the Sword of Darkness. Yeah, I, I I wish though that the the staff had played a a role somewhere because that's to me that's sort of like Skeletor's iconic thing. It would be like if He Man didn't have the sort of power. Skeletor has to have the Havoc staff, and it, 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 I missed it. Well, maybe and this I'm just throwing this out there. Had there been a sequel, because at the end of the movie, much like the original movie, um, we get a little scene to tell us that you know Skeletor will be back. And perhaps in the second movie, uh, the people that bring him back to life perhaps would give him power through a Havoc staff. Perhaps. And, perhaps. Um, yeah. So anyway, I was thinking that, you know, the Havoc staff could be given to him in the second movie. But I agree um, that's iconic, at least in, in our minds. Uh, he should have his Havoc staff. So maybe it's sitting there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Another thing from uh, while we're pointing out um, artifacts or what have you that are in the movie, um, Doom Seekers are featured heavily throughout this, much like yeah. in the Mike Young cartoon. How do we feel yeah. about that? I, that was fine. I liked Doom Seekers. However, uh, in addition to those, way better, way way better. Heavily, heavily in uh, this movie, Roton. Oh, I know. That Score. Was cool. <laughs> Score one for me. I love the Roton. That is like my one of my favorite vehicles. And I'm so happy they used Roton. And Attack Track is in there too. Attack Track is in there a lot. Um, also, great vehicle. But yeah, the Rotons in particular I was happy about because we didn't get them in the, the Mike Young series at all. Because mm-hmm. I think we didn't. Didn't we get in the show? We got an Attack Track, I think, at one point. Didn't we? Or didn't we? I can't remember now. I think we did. Uh, we never got a toy. But I think, yeah, I think was it was... No toy. I think it was in the show once, but the um, but yeah the uh, the rotons and the attack tracks that that was nice that was very very nice very happy and the doom seekers are fine like I like doom seekers they're a good spying mechanism mix and skeletor would have something like that um, good Martin <laughs> yeah I was happy to see them included um, and there's a lot from the MYP series isn't there like Decker and. Mm-hmm. Various other elements are noticed popping up. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely influence, a lot of influence from the the two, just ideas, ideas, if you will, from yeah. the 2000 um, Mike Young uh, show. And I really, really like, since we're on the Mike Young thing, the fact that they axed the stupid symbol from his armor from the 2000 series. And he, Marx goes out of his way to say that it's the cross version of the symbol in this. Oh, yeah, that's mentioned several times. About many, many crossed. times. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's both the royal crest and, and the human symbol in the whole deal. So very glad that it was the cross and not the asterisk or whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah. The stupid <laughs> H. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes, definitely. That's, uh, it seems to be gone, which is great, too, because the Masters Universe Classics line of toys has the cross as well. They got rid of that. I mean, I like. I, I will say, I like the initial two thousand symbol, which was the cross with the like the little crack in the top of it, or for lack of a better ex- description, that one was fine because it was still the cross. It was when they turned it into the the weird symbol that I took issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing we forgot to mention earlier on in the movie. Um, Cronus is actually part of Man at Arms, this, uh, you know, group. It's troops. Yeah. yeah, and later becomes Trapjaw. And that was fine. That was cool. Yeah, I, I like that. Although I will point out that I I feel that I like that idea, but I felt they should have done it with Triclops because Triclops saw to me his you know the newer version of Triclops seems to be the Man at Arms for Skeletor. Uh, so I would have pref- that kind of would have made more sense to me. You know, that only that only makes sense, though, in the context of the Mike Young. Really, if if somebody had said it put those two characters in front of me before Mike Young and said, which one is the man at arms counterpoint? I would have pointed at Trapjaw. He's the one with the the, you know, the gadgets and the weaponry and the mechanical arm. And the he should, you know, in, in some respects, could you could argue he should be the one that's the sort of the evil man at arms counter. Uh, counterpart um well to in me some at least though too like triclops seems a bit more human i guess maybe because he doesn't have like you know mechanical arms and 
jaw. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I mean, but, um, I, I like both of those characters. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I don't really admit, care. But. I fully admit, though, that I am taking this directly from the, you know, Mike Young version of Triclops. That, that's, that's, that, to me now, is like the definitive version of Triclops. Not yeah, really, I agree. Yeah, I mean, he so. was definitely a better, much, much better version. But what was what was the catch? What was the you know what's the tagline on uh, Trapjaw's packaging? Isn't it like evil master of weaponry or something like that as well? So it could be. It kind of makes sense. I, I see both sides of it. If we take the Mike Young out of the equation, though, I think Trapjaw actually does probably make more sense. But well, but I do like Triclops in that role. I better. just would have liked a scene where you know instead of slashing that dude, you know, Cronus's jaw. Can you imagine how nasty a scene would be with them <laughs> slashing Triclops' eyes? <laughs> <laughs> this is your rated R He-Man, folks. <laughs> oh, it definitely is. In fact, that, that scene, what you're talking about, we kind of get later, but we can get into with with Triclops. Um, but we'll get to that. But um, so anyway, uh, what, what 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 do we want to jump to next? Uh, well, I mean, uh, well, Adam is still being trained. He's he's kind of he's making his way back to. The, to the city. Well, no, that's that's later. Um, well, what do you want to go to before that? The he he does his training. He's in the midst of his training. That goes on for seven years. Yes, very long. Um, they end up in the in a the ruins of a village that doesn't exist anymore called Primus, which is strange. Yes, that was very strange. Hmm. And they I, I don't... and they have a meal, don't they? <laughs> they like eat. Uh, yeah, they eat something. We watched them sitting and eating. It kind of reminded me of when you know Prince Adam went to the to the restaurant in Secret of the Sword. <laughs> but it, yeah, but there's nobody there. It's just no, the I know, but it's just like I'm picturing them, like you know, and then at this little and, table. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that, continue. That's okay. But then number two, next uh, problem I have comes up. I realize I'm pointing at a lot of problems. There's a lot good about this script, so I don't I don't hate this script by any stretch. But Skeletor's people attack with uh, I think Triclops is in the uh, lead there and kill off Zodak. Ah, uh, bye bye. He's gone. That's a second character, second main character they've killed in this script, and we're not even thirty minutes into the movie. Well, can I can I go over some? I have some reasoning as to why there might be so many deaths. Masters of the Universe has so many characters to pull from that if we don't kill some of these people off, you're going to expect to see them in the sequel. Uh, I agree, but there are lesser characters that I would much be much happier uh, with being killed off than these sort of top tier ones that that um well that they they did because some some much lesser characters that i don't care about survive the film well should we care though (laughs) about zodak is he i mean to me zodak now in the movie he's a top tier character but overall in the history of masters of the universe i would not really rank zodak as a top tier character despite the fact that he was one of the earlier you know characters ever created i don't i wouldn't put him as like top tier. I, I always did, but I, I definitely understand the argument that some may not. But for me personally, he was always t- always a top tier. He was in the Filmation series. He was in the early comics. He was one of the first figures. He had that neutral position. He was in the Point Dread uh, record thing. He was sort of always everywhere. In, in you know, As my perspective growing up, I, I always considered him one of the top tier. But I get, I get where you're coming from and that you don't really consider him in that group. Martin? 
Um, no, I, I'm generally in agreement with uh, John in that I could see him having a large role in one film, but not if it, they went on. Um, I wouldn't miss him. <laughs> so let's let's quickly go over then who else dies. We have Randor, Zodak, Evil Lynn, technically Skeletor, although he's going to come back. Um, Trapjaw Trap and, and Triclops are both also killed. Um, but to me, uh, you know, I don't know. I I kind of don't mind. I don't. I have. I don't care that Randor dies. I think Evelyn, the way she was killed, she can be revived. Uh, yeah. In my personal opinion. Um, now Trapjaw and Triclops, I can live with because we're going to get replaced with two other interesting characters in a sequel. See, no, I, I, I can't, I can't go with you on that one. Trapped on Triclops and Evelyn, those three to me, those are the core. And I, granted, this is largely because of Filmation and Mike Young, but to me, those, those three, those are the top tier. They're the only people above them in, is Skeletor. And yeah, what about Beastman? See, Beastman to me is is one tier down. I don't know. Um, I think Beastman is more identifiable with Skeletor than Trapjaw and Triclops. Yeah, not for me personally. Again, I see where you're coming from, and I I understand that some fans will feel that way. I agree with you that I would say rather see Beastman killed than Trapjaw and Triclops. Um, Beastman's just... Beastman, sorry, just isn't that much of an interesting character in comparison to the others. Yeah. And he's more of a sort of a standard henchman you could dispose of, whereas the others... Exactly. more interesting characters. I mean, exactly. And to me, even it, it just seems too that like if you even look at the last movie, which which actual Skeletor villains made it into the movie? That was Beastman and Evelyn. Mm. I mean, I just I have always I guess considered Beastman to kind of be his main henchman, uh, just from the filmation cartoon and and the rest of the stuff. But um, I totally yeah. agree, though. Kill him off. Leave us with Trapjaw. Or, or, you know, don't kill off both Trapjaw and Triclops. Yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing. And and boy, are we? those were some... Those two in particular, Trapjaw and Triclops, were gruesome deaths in this film. <laughs> yeah, and I just... I don't know. I have a conflict on this, too. I really think that He-Man should be rated PG-13. I don't know what you guys think. But, I mean, all these other successful ones are PG-13. Spider-Man... Star Wars is probably actually PG. Um, Batman. And I mean, you can get pretty nasty. That Dark Knight movie was a little dark. And it was still PG-13, if I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. So I mean, yeah. they uh, sometimes the script is going to write it a bit more violent than what we'll actually see on the screen, I guess is what I'm saying. But I mean, it's best for him to write it and then edit it down. Later. Yeah, essentially on those two, uh, Trapjaw gets decapitated, which isn't too, too bad, but is basically he gets decapitated and his head rolls on the ground to Man-at-Arm's feet. Triclops, on the other hand, gets hit, uh, if I remember right, with a sword, I think it is, up under his visor, which rips off the visor and the top half of his head, which yeah. is pretty gruesome. 
It's something like Teela throws a flare into his helmet or something like that. I can't, I can't remember exactly what it is, but I just I remember it, it says uh, basically it's not very nice. most of the top <laughs> half of his head is yeah. Oh, and here's, here's wow. you mentioned Teela and her flares. Man, they use flares a lot in this movie. I mean, they must be carrying around like a backpack just full of flares. It's like, <laughs> oh, Teela, I can't see down in this cave. Light a flare. I mean, it just... You know, I, was pict- I was actually picturing that being more akin... Uh, to a sort of flare version of the the filmation things where they were always firing blasts out of their wristbands and that sort of that's what I was picturing was it was coming out of like her wristbands well, that so I'm not saying cool. that's what he said that it was, but that's what I was picturing. But even if it's not, I mean, that would be kind of cool, too. Like, if she was just, like, you know, touched her wristband and it started to glow or something. You know, that to yeah. me is Masters of the Universe. Yeah, and that's what I was picturing, but that's probably also influenced by past material more than... He doesn't really specify in the script, so... Yeah, because, you know, when I, re- when I read the word flare, I think of a road flare, and then that's what's in my head. You know what I mean? Right, so it's, right, it's, right. it's a little hard to get the imagery out of, like, Tila holding this, like, red-looking stick of dynamite <laughs> around. <laughs> yeah. Where's the case? She had car trouble. Oh, well, we mentioned Tila. I like Tila in this. I like I like um, how you know Prince Adam comes back and he's all like, you know, I'm King Randor's son. Aww. And she's all like, Psh, who do you think you are? Yeah, <laughs> you she, know, she has the attitude like, that she's supposed to have. Yeah, well, you know what's very cool with her is, is she is a really good blend in personality of the filmation Tila and the Mike Young Tila. Yeah, she's not as bratty. By any means, it's like the Mike Young Tila. Which who I liked a lot. I know a lot of people didn't. I love the Mike Young version of Tila. But this one's even better, I think, personality-wise. It's it's a really good blend of the two versions that we're used to. Mm-hmm. Martin? Uh, yes. <laughs> Most likable version of Tila to date, I think. Um, I like the Tila action figure um, and the actual look she has. But I always hate the character when they do her in the cartoons because she... I'd always just think, oh, shut up, Taylor. <laughs> in this, she's actually useful, and I like her. Yeah, this could be a Tila I could get behind. No pun intended. Um, you know, she's definitely, <laughs> she's definitely the best written Tila, I think. Yeah, I would tend to agree with. with personally, I think Mike Young is a is a close second, but I think this one's better. Personality wise. Now, uh, okay, so where shall we go next then? Uh, I let me jump in. Okay. Uh, because the, the the one of the next things that happens is Adam does return to the capital city, which I believe it's not Eternos, but it's something that sounds really stupid, and I think it's Eternius or something like that. Yes. Well, the way it was spelled, I just didn't know if maybe he wasn't sure what the city how to spell it, but it, it's not Eternos. You're right. It's like Eternus. It was it was it was different than it, it, it sounded stupid. Yes, in my personal opinion, go with Eternos. It's fine. Yeah, but anyway, forgetting that, um, he goes uh, there. He he's sort of like undercover um, in the city. Oh, he well, he gets sent there. We should point out before I get to this point. Uh, he has like a dream. Uh, the sorceress comes to him and tells him go to the statue of King Grayskull oh, in the and, city. Well, also, when you're talking about dreams, real quick, Man-at-Arms has a dream, right, that an angel comes to him and says, like, the sun will rise to save the Yeah, that's planet. somewhere in there. I think and that... I, I'm assuming the angel was the sorceress. Right. Yeah, yeah that would make sense. Yeah. That would all right, make continue. Sense. I'm sorry. I just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> uh, that's all right. So he has this vision, essentially, that he needs to go back to the city, go to the statue, huge statue of King Grayskull, 
outside the um, the royal palace, uh, and uh, which is apparently uh, Grayskull's tomb. And he's supposed to go there and find something, but he doesn't know what. So he goes into the city, um, gets involved in a in a huge big battle sequence with Skeletor's people and Trapja, and there's all this stuff going on. And it turns out uh, at one point that he sort of ends off ends in a standoff with Trapjaw. Because the people in the city are are starving, they are in a bad way, and there's a very cool line. If you if you, it's in there, I think for no other purpose really uh, than to please the fans and to give us something to smile over. But I loved it, loved it, Lolo. It they're they're having this the standoff. Skeletor's men are coming after Adam. He turns to the crowd of of bystanders who are, who are suffering. And says, I am Adam, the prince of Eternia. <laughs> That's great. I like it. <laughs> great throwback in there. And and it kind of set up that great scene where where the, the people believing him sort of um are standing behind him against Trapjaw and, and Skeletor's people. That was that was a cool little nod to to Filmation and Mike Young and just just liked that a yeah, lot that's definitely one of those scenes where i mean if you didn't know it was coming up previously obviously this isn't going to be made now but it, you know if you're sitting in the in the theater and you know i can just see like the camera panning around to him in that and you know he's like i am adam prince of eternia and you would get that chill You'd yeah like, exactly oh, did he just say what i think he said <laughs> yeah and <laughs> yeah and i got it i got that even just reading the script yeah I got oh that. yeah yeah there were a few times in the script where i was like oh like not necessarily even though that it was like a direct reference like that, where I was just like, "Oh, this is good." Yeah, and I yeah, got I that agree. like excited like chill. I was like, "Ooh, what's gonna happen next?" <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that that was one of the best scenes in the in the film. That that line and and the way that it was put together, the moment that it was used was perfect. That was very very good. Well, now uh, shortly after that is when. Um... Isn't that when Evelyn is trying to convince Skeletor to go get the Sword of Light? Yes, oh, uh, yes. although she, I think that happens or a little bit uh, after this. That's no, that's a, I think that's a little bit. Yeah, it's right, uh, right before all of this, I believe, okay. because uh, she actually tries to convince Adam to go with her. Yeah, um, she's sneaky. She is. Yeah, she she. Uh, Tries to get that to happen. Of course, uh, Skeletor's people end up taking her over, taking her into custody, as it were. <laughs> I will say, as much as uh, there's good stuff, there's bad stuff. One, this 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 particular action scene with the battle in the city was very cool. Mm-hmm. From this point forward, there are too many of those kinds of scenes mm. in the film. I think. Well, but if you have to think too, there was a lot of non-battle scenes at the beginning of you know what I mean throughout the like the first half of the movie right but then there there's there's definitely too yeah, much yeah it's like it's like they packed it all in you know halfway through right a little too 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 heavy there on on the, on the action sequences um but he she Evelyn had told him that you know he needs to take out Prince Adam as well I think and he goes outside to ask the people to reveal to him where Adam yes. is and they won't they won't even speak to him that's right and when that pisses him off and he <laughs> has this weird vile thing that he puts in the ground that creates a mechanical monster in the earth that comes up and kills people 
Yeah. With giant tentacles. It's very strange and makes no sense. It, yeah, it made no sense. I, I like the scene just because it finally shows Skeletor that he'll never have, you know, the the love of the people like King Randor had, which, you know, this is what pushes him over the edge, basically. You know, he's been teetering right there on the, I'm going to kill you, edge. Uh, <laughs> and so then he finally does it. But why, why is it this this random vial that he just has and throws it in the ground and there's tentacles? Well, yeah, the vial is supposed to have that this black yeah, the, smoke the, Yeah, the stuff. black smoke. They've referenced this from the sword, too, haven't they? Where it's like skeleton yeah, it- and this black mist magic... Yeah, that, the that's tendrils that apparently comes out of the sword. So I guess it's a piece of that, but it's just a, it, it would, I mean, it would still wouldn't make much sense, but it would have even made at least a little more sense if maybe he just thrust the sword into the ground to make this happen or something. It, the, the vile thing just is so random. Yeah. So very random. He also uh, unleashes Panthor on some people he doesn't like, doesn't he? Yeah. Point. And that's, yeah. I thought that was quite a good scene. I, I like the I like the scene. I don't like that Panthor is a cyborg cat now instead of just a Panthor. <laughs> I, I, like, I don't know. I think I kind of sounded uh, quite scary when uh, <laughs> they were like unleashing him. I could picture that being quite a good scene. Yeah, I I, I like the scene. I love the scene. I just don't mm. I don't like the overuse of technology on Skeletor's side. Mm. And that was just one more example of it. Well, now, during this, uh, isn't Adam man-at-arms, they're, like, underneath, they're in the underground city at this point? In the catacombs. Yeah, like, hiding out, looking for the tomb. Well, yeah, they know where the tomb is. They're just, they're just, that's where the resistance fighters are. They're, like, literally underground. Underground. And, uh, and then Adam gets down there, he meets, uh, Attila, actually abducts Adam on the street and takes him down there after his, his battle, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of cool. Um, showed her prowess as a warrior. Um, and she takes him down there. And, although it is a little cliche, she like has the, the bag that she puts over his head and it's like, <laughs> are you kidding me, really? But uh, but yeah, she takes him down into the underground. She, he uh, is reunited with Mad Arms. She actually doesn't believe Adam that he is Randor's son, until Man at Arms confirms it uh, in the scene, well, and we also meet a new character, Colonel Logan, at the same time. Yeah, and it, it is. Oh, I might be jumping <laughs> too far ahead here, but um, Decker doesn't believe Adam either until yeah, that, he, like, that's a little later. Yeah, uh, yeah, until the crest, the the cross, uh, kind of like shines from within. <laughs> Right when he's when he's <laughs> yeah, like gonna kill him, little, little cheesy. But yeah, to me that's kind of like if you were like killing Superman and it's like and that like symbol like actually <laughs> comes out of his chest. <laughs> yeah, it's a little strange. Yeah, it was like okay. Well, that's yeah, that was a little later, but of it, it, I mean we can kind of jump to that because nothing much else interesting I think happens in between. Well, Basically, yeah, like they're down there in like the the tombs and the catacombs and they're walking around and talking. Yeah, so they they end up taking Adam. He tells him he needs to get there. Adam, Mad at Arms convinces convinces his people, his warriors and troops to take Adam to the the tomb of King Grayskull, which is near the royal palace, which Skeletor had apparently raided at some point previously, but had not discovered the secret under uh, under the floor compartment. Yeah, again, another kind of cliche thing, but. 
where uh, where uh, they end up. And that's when the Master's Cult comes back into it again, led by Decker. Yeah, now this is where I run into a problem. Decker was in, like, what? Two one episodes. Episode. Yeah, one or two episodes of Mike. Just one. Just one. Was it <laughs> yeah, the island? One, I think. He was yeah. the yeah. island. Which a bad was, episode. Yes, which was yeah. one of the worst episodes of that entire series, okay? I mean, I rank it down there pretty low. Um, I, I I love Mike Young, and the island is quite probably the worst, I think, in my opinion. I love Mike Young. So, actually, I think it's second worst. The, the worst was the uh, Man and Machines or whatever that was. Oh, of Men and Machines, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was pretty bad, too. With Sortek, right? Was that his name? <laughs> Something like Oz. that. And he was like the Wizard of Oz, and it <laughs> yeah. was just, just lame. It was, there was no, no redeeming qualities in that one. Now, but. here's what I think Decker should have been Master Severian. <laughs> or they could have called him Sembrian. Um So we'll, well, since this movie is not being made anymore, um, we're going to just change his name to Sebrian for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> um, so anyway, Sebrian is down there now. Um, but yeah, Decker is used. I don't know why. Um, I think that's stupid. Use a character that we know. I mean, you have so many characters, you know, that people know that are already there. Why do we have to keep creating new ones? And I said this with King Grayskull. I say this with Decker. It's just not needed. Yeah, well, you know, Decker, been... I think Decker was fine in Mike Young just as sort of this was like this a was, one-off character. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was Duncan's mentor and whatever. That's fine. As as a as a important character, this guy is the leader of the of the masters at this point. Yeah. Uh, it's just weird. It's just it's so out of left field. Pick somebody else or or um, have saved Zodak or used the other Zodak. Um. Or something. They they could have done so many different ways with this, and it's just strange having Decker. More annoying, though, is the fact that he's got a bunch of masters in training who are all these, like, 10, 11, 12-year-old kids. Uh, it's just and Lennox being a, who becomes a, first of all, stupid name. Uh, second of all, uh, he becomes a prominent character for the rest of the film, and he's like this 12-year-old. We don't need annoying children in the movie. Yeah, I mean, to me, that... Uh... Well, like um, it kind of like you were saying about Star Wars. It's kind of like how you know they had all the little Jedi kids. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Stop it. Stop well, it. <laughs> well, you know, we just need Anakin to come and kill them all. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> or, or you know, may, maybe Lennox is going to grow up. You know, to become Master Sebrian. Or maybe he's going to grow up to become <laughs> Orko. I don't know. But oh well, we should mention that. Thank you. There's no. There's no Orko. There's no Orko. There's no Orko. Uh, I I understand why I don't think it would have worked in this script, but I want Orko in a Masters movie. Maybe the sequel would have had Orko. Maybe. Maybe uh, maybe Lennox is actually Dare, son of Hero or He Man in the Masters of the Universe. Oh, God. God. <laughs> <laughs> He's a he is a not a good character. Yeah, no, we don't like children. Um Particularly I just the name irritates me greatly. Maybe the screenwriter knew someone named Lennox. I just I keep thinking Annie, and it just doesn't work. Annie, Annie Lennox. Oh, oh the singer. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you were like talking about like the musical or something. I'm like, I've never seen oh, that. So no. is there like some Lennox character that's sitting in there? <laughs> I may have some Chandler characteristics, but that is not one of them. <laughs> Chandler, car- uh, now nah, you're. He had, the, he had the soundtrack to to Annie. 
in the in the oh, CDs. Well, they, they referenced it several times in Friends. He's still awesome. Chandler, come on, we can't dog Chandler. He's the best. He was voted by TV Guide America's favorite friend. So there you go. I'll just continue on here. I like um. Was talking about Decker. I I did like um how Adam was giving it right back to him. Like Decker says something like, you know, uh, give me the royal crest, and Adam's like, I can't give you back what's already mine. Counterpoint. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. <laughs> so I mean, I I don't know. I I, I like some of the dialogue is very you know spiffy. I think. So, so you know, it's very funny in this movie. Some of the dialogue is spectacular, and some of it is so bad. And it's interesting. I I don't know anything really about Justin Marks's other films. I don't, I don't think I've seen any of them. Uh, but it it the dialogue seemed really uneven it was like he he had certain scenes where he knew exactly what he wanted and he nailed it and then he had other times where it was just like oh, i'm just going to throw whatever comes into my brain here whether it sounds stupid or not sort of thing it was it was a little uneven that way and and perplexing because obviously he's a very talented writer when he's on form and he just wasn't all the way through this um yeah i can see that uh one thing too we need to mention i like well going back to decker because I kind of like him, but I don't want to, <laughs> you know, as we already said. But um, what I don't like is that he's the, you know, leader of this master's cult or something, and he has this magical power. He, To me, he should have been able to sooner realize that this was, you know, Randor's son. I mean, it's kind of like Adam has to go out of his way to, <laughs> to kind of convince, and he's all like, you know... I know who you are. You're the master's cult. You know you're supposed to be protecting, you know, Grayskull's legacy, which means you're supposed to be protecting me. And it's like Adam has to explain this stuff to these, you know, the so-called master's cult. I don't yeah, know. I think yeah, they should agreed. have been a little bit more in the loop. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Agreed. We should also maybe mention now that the sorceress uh, at this point, I believe, by Zodak was uh, mentioned to be one of the original six masters who hid the two swords, and she's the only one still living. Yeah, and I, I'm just going back to, like, cliches and stuff. It's, like, one of those things, it's, like, they split up the two swords. Isn't this, like, Lord of the Rings or something? Did they split something up or something? And put, why put one over here, and they put one over there. I don't know, I don't like Lord of the Rings. That's just what pops in my head. But yeah. it's, like... Why don't you destroy the things? Then you don't have to worry about people finding. <laughs> yeah, maybe they can't, or I don't know. It should have been explained. You know what? Can we just for a second? We'll press pause here. Uh, one other thing, I, I just remembered that I wanted to mention while we're on this thing with the swords and and the masters and all that stuff. There was a, a sort of religious subtext to the beginning of the film that I thought was unnecessary. I don't care. I am not particularly a religious person per se, but um, I think they're just asking for trouble in doing that, where at the very beginning it was supposed to be the sword of light that created all life in the universe. And I'm like, uh, don't need to mention that. Let's not have another thing like we had back in the 80s with the religious zealots, you know, out for our blood, so to speak. Let's just not go there. It's not needed and it's going to cause controversy. Stop it. And I didn't like the whole blacksmith guy who's making the swords. That was weird too. I don't. Yeah, I'm it's not sure just what like random blacksmith guy has the power to make these awesome <laughs> swords. I was just like, okay. I, I mean, I think the idea there was supposed to be he is God and he created the swords, which 
Oh for, yeah, I guess that's true. But that place definitely plays right into your, you know, your point. Yeah, and I just I don't think it was necessary. I, I just it was it's asking for trouble. Yeah, like I said, if I <laughs> the beginning of my movie, if I were to write it, would be like that um the storybook. Castle Grayskull. Uh, Castle Grayskull yep. storybook. That's how it would start out if we have to have this ex- explanation. I I am 100% behind you on so, that. that. That was the best origin type thing. Everyone go to eBay, buy that book on tape, and it is. listen to it. That one and the the LP one that's uh, that's like an hour long. With the Vortex. Yeah, that is the also vortex. excellent storytelling, excellent writing in that particular one, given what it is. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I love that one too. Even in the name, you could hear the magic. <laughs> love that. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, now, uh, before we hit pause, and now we're going to unpause. Martin, were you going to explain to me the Lord of the Rings thing? Oh, I was going to mention that the uh, two openings are very similar. Of Lord of the Rings, with, um, yeah, with like someone, like a woman narrating the uh, backstory, and there's even a shot. I think in Lord of the Rings of them making the ring with the whatever they do to make rings, you know, <laughs> like blacksmiths. Oh uh, yeah, thing. like uh, forging the, you know, putting the yeah uh, metal and then into the, two, the yeah exactly, and then the two armies coming together, can very you, similar. Can you imagine <laughs> yeah, if they're, we they're... were school teachers, real quick? And I'm like, yeah, you know how they make rings? You know, they put in the thing. They go, <laughs> 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 there, there, there's a lot of blatant uh i don't i don't want to say plagiarism because it's not that but it, it's a stuff that's so so been done the lord of the rings thing there the star wars stuff and uh i'm a big terry brooks fan and i i would love to see masters done terry brooks style but there's so much in this um that y- you can point at and say this is exactly like this scene in this Terry Brooks book, and this is exactly like the, uh, obviously Justin Marks has read his Terry Brooks. I I, I would be shocked if he hasn't, uh, because there's so much that's just lifted directly from Terry Brooks books that you just kind of shake your head and like uh, we should have done this differently, sort of thing. Well, I mean, in this day and age too, so much has already been done. I, mean, I, I know it's a wonder I, to me that people can still make like songs that we have not heard yet because <laughs> we've had so many songs. It's like, how do you keep coming up with different like melodies? I just don't get I, it. I, yeah, I mean, I, I totally get where you're coming from, but I, I do think you can you can be similar to something um, and give it more of an original spin. I realize in something like this, this is hard. This wasn't Justin Marks's original creation. This is, he's working within within a property and trying to give it a new spin, um, and that's always harder, I think, than uh, than creating something from scratch. But mm-hmm. but by the same token, there's there I think this there was a few too many things derived from other sources. Just in my humble opinion, um, that's what I think. I think he could have been a little more creative, and and if not, then don't try so hard to change the original source material because there was there's plenty of stuff in in classic masters mythos that they could have drawn from that would have been better than the things that they were deriving from other sources you know like we were talking about the castle grayskull type story um record mm-hmm. that that to me was a lot more original than some of the stuff he he did use in the film that was derived from star wars and things 
Now are, we're getting to we're getting closer to in the movie when we finally, um, well we we Adam's starting to have visions right of Castle Grayskull while the sorceress is talking to him. Yeah, there, there's a bit of that. He has one, I think, one vision in Grayskull's tomb. He gets the crest there that's going to lead him to Grayskull. Um, and I think he when they're on their way out of the city is when he finally they're in an attack track. And he finally gets a vision of exactly where Grayskull is, which is like a lake in the evergreen forest somewhere mm-hmm, mm-hmm. near the Mystic Mountains, which I was glad to see them referenced. So it's and then it's Man at Arms, um, Adam, Tila, and the Colonel Logan guy that go to find Grayskull, correct? No, actually, yeah. uh, Man at Arms and Logan have like a showdown because Logan doesn't believe he thinks this is all just a, oh, uh, that's a right, big, that's right, that's right, that's right, a, a big mess, and he's not going to follow him, and he actually ends up betraying them and goes to Skeletor to tell them where tell Skeletor where they are going to find Grayskull and the Sword of Light. Yes, so they're going to find the Sword of Light. Ooh, are we excited? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, kind of. <laughs> you should uh, be excited at this point. You should, and the, the, hey, this is where it starts to get into too many. There's too many battles. They have a big battle on their way out of the city. Mm-hmm. They have a big battle as they're moving, like two minutes later, as they're moving through the evergreen forest against Beastman and and his animals, which is okay because we get our first glimpse of Battle Cat at that point, who's under Beastman's control. Well, and during this, are they not? They're following a 3D map that, like, Decker or someone is, you know, projecting out of their the tattoos on their body. Yeah. I found that to be a little... no. A little weird. Yeah, I was... I mean, I, can, I can't even picture this, like, taking this seriously in a movie with, the, with him going like... Pshaw! And then this map appears in front of them. I keep thinking of the Mike Young episode where Skeletor like pulls up the map or whatever, and it was like green and 3D looking. No. Nothing. Yeah, it's just just it's it's that the whole section is is lackluster. The the battle with oh that that's right. So we, we they get in the Evergreen Forest. They're heading for Castle Grayskull. They have the Beast Man appears mm-hmm. with with the animals and that sort of thing. Okay, this part, with the exception of the introduction of Battle Cat, this scene is strictly there for the sake of having Beastman in the film, I think. It was like, Mattel said, Beastman has to be in this movie somewhere. And so he stuck him in here. And it has, even I think, even more than the tattoo thing, it has the most ridiculous visual of the entire film is right here. Man at Arms, at, toward the end of the battle... Whips off his helmet and beats Beastman into submission with his helmet. <laughs> it just sounds ridiculous. And that's exactly how it's written. That he beats him into submission with his helmet. That's uh, ridiculous. I'm Peter sorry. does not approve. No, and it's, no, they really wouldn't. And it's just silly sounding. It, it just, I picture it in my head. Picture Matt in arms with his helmet in your hand. Beating Beastman with it. <laughs> Little specks of blood getting stuck in Man at Arms' mustache. Yeah, just, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. It's it's just stupid. I, I can't go there. I can't go there. Well, while he's getting you know beaten to a pulp, um, that's when Colonel Logan goes off and you know tells you know is going to reveal everything to Skeletor. And he does. And he does because he's a little you know 
I won't say it. Use your imagination. Colorful language. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the the cool thing here, uh, as we do the flash back and forth uh, thing, Tila and Adam end up in a battle with one of Beastman's creatures, which is the green and uh, green tiger with yellow stripes, which is trying to kill them. And all three of them end up going over a cliff and landing in a river. And they get dragged out of the river. Uh, Adam and, and Tila manage to get out of the river. And the the cat is still there. And it's very badly wounded. It can't uh, do anything else. Adam has the opportunity at this point to kill the cat. And he sees that it's starving just like everyone else is and that sort of thing because of Skeletor's taking over and destroying of the land and there's no food and so on. And he shows mercy to it and it limps off and this, hence the beginning of their relationship. And that, that is a very cool scene and very well done. I thought. Yeah. It's good to show a connection as to how, you know, it's going to be an explanation later on in the movie on how, you know, Adam obtains battle <sighs> cat, but then we lose the whole cringer thing, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. But, uh, well, they weren't going to have cringer talk. So that's fine. I just I, I always liked sort of the cringer Adam versus He Man Battle Cat mm-hmm. parallel, and we we do lose that unfortunately. But but as the movie is, I I I do like this angle as well. Well, now and during this time, after Logan uh, reveals all to Skeletor, that's when he takes Evil in and silences her. He kills her. She's already imprisoned, and he goes down and. Basically, like, rips her heart out, but not that graphically. But that's essentially what it boils down to. Yeah. Um, like, reaches into her chest and kills her. I feel so bad for her. I hope she's resurrected, though. Um, <laughs> that would be good, right? Then we'd get back one of your dead people. <laughs> yeah, that would be fine. <laughs> um, okay, so next we have a battle between... With Adam, Tila, and Triclops, and it's okay. They're they're up in the Mystic Mountains. They're heading for Grayskull, um, which Duncan still believing the Masters, uh, or Tila and Adam, to be alive somewhere, um, despite the fact that they found the crest that Adam was carrying. Um, that Adam lost in the battle. They they've continued on toward where Grayskull's supposed to be, and Adam and Tila are on their way there too. The Triclops finds them with his Doom Seekers and. They have a big gruesome battle where uh, Adam gets injured. He breaks his arm, shatters his shoulder, and uh, Tila ends up killing another death. Ah. Triclops. Now, I like, though, how they did um, injure Adam because it really plays well, I think, with the transformation sequence that we will get near the end of the movie. I agree. I agree. Um, and that's this whole battle is done in the snow, which was a little bit confusing at first because it doesn't make that real clear in the script. Oh, good point, because I did not pick that up. Um, it's like they have this big battle and I'm just picturing them in the mountains and then all of a sudden he like falls in a snow drift and you're like, where did that come from? So it was it was very uh, sloppy. Here I comes think. Frosta. Yeah, yeah, we wish. <laughs> well, and two, um, after this, Adams, that's when he has the dream, right, of Skeletor getting the power, the Sword of Light. Yeah. Somewhere around there. He has yeah, somewhere a, in there. He has, like, a vision, like a night terror. 
<laughs> well, basically, after they kill Triclops, Tila and Adam both like pass out, and they wake up in a cave. Dun, I think that's dun, where, I think dun. in between there is where you might have that vision. But yeah. yeah, they wake up. They wake up in a cave, and they've been taken there by a Battle Cat. Because he's nice now. He's nice now. That's right. He's a cute little little tiger. Meanwhile, <laughs> well, he just told me. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Meanwhile, Duncan uh, gets to the lake where Castle Grayskull is supposed to be, and there is no Castle Grayskull. Who would have thought? But using his keen uh, ability to perceive that which no one else can perceive, Duncan realizes that <laughs> there is a strange carving in the rock there around the lake somewhere that matches the crest that he's holding. How convenient. (laughs) And he puts the crest into the hole in the rock and Kessel Grayskull rises up out of the lake. Which, I would like to point out, is directly out of the Castle Paranor rising up out of the ground when they do a similar thing in the Terry Brooks books. Now, you've mentioned this Terry Brooks person. I have no idea who this is. Uh, is this a famous author? He is a very famous author. He's the m- biggest selling fantasy author after J.K. Rowling. Oh, okay. Now, see, he's, I know who she is, but I don't know who he is. He's huge. He wrote, you may have heard of the Shannara series. No. He wrote that. He um, th- They're hugely popular. Have any sort of, of his books become movies yet? Uh, the, he has written the book versions of movies. Oh, well, that doesn't uh, count. I, I mean, like, yeah, he uh, wrote he wrote the novels for Hook. He wrote the novel for the Phantom Menace, and they, I believe, they're working on uh, making uh, his Shannara uh, books into films right now. Actually, okay, well, but he's just... he's very very hugely best selling author. Okay, I'm not you know I'm not in the literary world, so right. I can't. I, I, I only know J.K. because you know Harry Potter has movies. Right. Um, right. But in any case, uh, how do we feel about this whole I don't like it rising from a lake? Yeah, it's a bit I, weird. <laughs> well, here, here's my problem. I, I like the image of Castle Grayskull being this old, dirty ruin like it, you know, like it's usually depicted. And this coming up out of the lake, it makes me picture it's it was in the water. So it must be all pristine and clean and nice. And I, it's not Castle Grayskull to me. I sort of liked it just being this ruin in the forest that they needed to find sort of thing, not this I, – I, yeah, I, I'm not not liking it. Yeah, I mean a planet is huge. You can have a castle hidden in some random forest, you know, that that would take forever to find. Yeah, agreed. And that's that's what it should have been. Uh, it's – the coming out of the lake is just really strange. Merman? Yeah, and there's no Merman. <laughs> yeah. This, this would have been a great – opportunity for merman to appear and or or when they were in the river when uh tila and adam fell in the river merman could be there well they wasted all their special effects money on trap john triclops uh, i suppose so we should also uh, mention at this point that there is a character amongst man at arms's troops named Rodrick, who's mentioned several times uh for reasons that we will get to toward the end right so anyway, wanted- yeah. Well, no, yeah. Gray Skull pops up, and the you know drawbridge comes down. Um, and right, Adam and Teela are debating if they should go in, or Adam says he's he's going to go in. He wants to make sure they're going to be okay. 
Correct. What? Right? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. When they're you... in the when they're at the castle. Oh, they're oh, well, you jumped ahead. They were in the cave, and the Skeletor's army shows up first. I thought we already talked about him shattering his shoulder. We did, but uh, where we left Adam and Tila was in the cave. Oh, the see, I'm getting Skele- confu- I'm getting confused at the battles. I was thinking that it was the battle with the Skeletor when his shoulder was shattered. No, 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 that was the battle with Triclops. Oh, see, like you said, too many battles, too many battles. in the second half of this movie. Yes, yeah, I agree. So Skeletor's army ends up showing up at Castle Grayskull because he's followed Logan's advice and arrived for a big battle with uh, with Matt Arms's group, the good versus evil armies. Yes. And they're on these big platform things that walk around on giant legs. Can anyone say at-at? <laughs> I don't know what that is. The hydraulic leg castles struck me as ridiculous. <laughs> I yeah. just imagined like um, like an old-style castle on mechanical legs just moving across <laughs> with everyone inside. Yeah. I, just thought I was, it was picturing them more like at-ats, but either way, <laughs> it's not good. What is an what is an at those those were the big things on Star Wars on the 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 legs that big mechanical things that the that the evil empire uses to that walk around they look like big animals but they're on big mechanical legs when they're Wars. on the ice planet of <laughs> yes okay yeah. i remember yeah so yeah so yeah not good but they that's what skeletor brings into the battle um it's it's just strange. Well, that whole segment could have been easily cut from the film, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I understand that he wants to bring Skeletor's army there, which, again, not not to belabor it, but Skeletor's army is very much described like uh, the Terry Brooks demon armies that are in several of his books. It's well, not even very much. It is identical. Um. But yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Skeletor gets there. Adam and Tila watch Skeletor arriving, uh, his army arriving from the cave, and then uh, decide to, to ride down on Battle Cat into the fray. Also, before that, the sorceress keeps telling Adam that like time is running out. Yep. So hurry up and get your ass up. down. I only have a few more pages left in this script, and gosh darn it, you need to get a great skull and get the sword. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, so where do we want to skip to then? I mean, uh, we don't need to. Down. We don't need to describe all the battles. Because... <laughs> no, 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 no. Adam gets down there. We find out, though. I do want to mention that uh, Logan, who is now on Skeletor's side and is wearing the same like black skull armor that all of Skeletor's tr- generic troops are wearing. Um, he is now Fisto. He's got the giant fist, and it even starts referencing him at that point as Fisto. So he's Fisto. And there you go. Apparently, hopefully not Tila's daddy. <laughs> yeah, I, I doubt it. So uh, then, when Adam arrives, the the like magical bridge appears, leading out across the water toward the castle and now, the drop. Now, see, this it- is this is where I had skipped to earlier. <laughs> Right. So they've they've arrived and Adam goes into the castle, which has some good moments and some very lame ones. Well, what do you want? To- well, what did you think was lame? 
Okay, well, Adam goes into the castle. The inside of Castle Grayskull is very cool, very well described. I like the way the look that he gave it. Sort of like it's kind of a lot like the filmation one in my mind, and the fact that it's sort of like this endless labyrinth of tunnels and things, and or not tunnels, but uh, corridors and things that seem far bigger than what could fit in the castle and that sort of thing. Yeah, like like all that. That was great. Um, what I thought was kind of lame in this segment is that we've got this sense of of you know impending doom is he's got to hurry up he's got to hurry up so the sorceress first without talking to him or anything leads him through the castle up to the highest tower um to look down on the battle talks to him for a minute and then leads him down deep into the underground underneath the castle he's like if we're in a hurry <laughs> can't we skip the trip to the tie's most turret <laughs> yeah well, you know, like a lot of these things would probably be trimmed down a little bit if they actually shot the movie. I, I yeah, I, I would hope. Like uh, to me, it, 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 uh, some of this kind of stuff makes me think like my screenplay isn't long enough. We need to add something else. Yes, oh, this I... will take up a page. You know, it's like one, it's some, there's some like filler, obviously. Uh, aspects. One thing you, I did like how you're mentioning how they were descri- describing the inside of Grayskull. At one point, uh, he talks about like there being all these crystals that line the walls. Yeah, that and was cool. I love that because to me, in my mind, that 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 references back to the '87 movie because the sorceress has this like uh, much different look. She's very she has this white um, costume and she has these like crystals on her head. <laughs> so that made me think of that. So I, I applaud. It's probably not a reference, but in my mind... Uh, yeah, I was thinking more about the crystals, like, uh, in the Crystal Chamber in the Mike Young series, but... Uh, yeah, yeah the, the I mean, I too. guess, but I didn't really like that chamber in the Mike Young, so I've kind of erased it from my memory. Oh, uh, there you go. Well, I will say, I do like the fact that the sorceress um, in this was described very much like the filmation sorceress. Yes. When she finally makes her appearance. Yeah, I mean, and gosh, we don't see her until the end, either. <laughs> That was yeah, and that was cool. She she transforms from being Zor yeah. into the sorceress and looks like filmation sorceress and that that was cool. Yeah, I mean I like the way he, he described the you know, the her like her own transformation sequence. You know, yes. like the feathers are gonna become the cape and everything. So I mean it's a, she does definitely looks like more like filmation than the Mike Young that kind of had wings built into her back. Right. Which I like. I like both versions. So, but I, I was happy to see us kind of return to the classic sorceress look. But um, okay, so uh, time is running out. Tick tock, tick tock, because really, there's only like ten more pages left of the script. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm saying that's why they're hurrying because you know <laughs> he only has a few more pages left. Right. Uh, so <laughs> uh, by this point in the movie, Tila is kind of invested in Adam. She's, she's, you know, she thinks he's the real deal by now. Right, yes. Uh, so I liked that because um, she, she was kind of iffy, um, more so than Man-at-Arms, obviously already knew who he was. But Tila was the kind of the one that was like, eh, I'm going to help him, but I'm going to keep a close eye on this. Right. Of, of what's going on. And then the sorceress goes through the whole history of, you know, since the, you know, King Grayskull died, you know, no one has touched this sword. Oh, like it's really ticking me off because I hate the fact that King Grayskull's sword. 
thoughts. Yeah, it doesn't, I mean, doesn't I have the same. Me. I have the same problems with this as I have with the Mike Young thing. It's like He Man is not. I like how he's going to be the you know the the this the, you know the son is going to come back to to do this, but I want him to be original. I don't want him to have the power of King Grayskull. Like you know, I mean, I guess it's not technically the power of King Grayskull, but King Grayskull used the Sword of Light. I don't know thoughts. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from much more with the Mike Young. I think it works better in this script, and I don't have a problem with the Mike Young one personally. But I think it, I think it makes more sense in the script than it did in the the Mike Young series. Well, I think I'd be fine with, you know, I'm fine with King Grayskull. I don't like that he used the sword of light like no one has touched it you know since him i would have rather you know like it just been hidden away like king grayskull could just be like you know king grayskull king miro king randor you know that sort of deal right right yeah i mean i see i see both sides of it it doesn't really bother me but martin um yeah (laughs) in agreement really with uh josh don't really bother me. <laughs> Fine then, you two. I'm just gonna hang up. No. <laughs> uh, so so anyway, he's given the sword because this is the part I like. He's given the sword, and I like is that um, it actually sh- explains um, the the transformation sequence a little bit. He reads the inscription. Which is, you know, uh, on the in like engraved in Grayskull's floor or whatever, right? And he, and he reads it kind of just like in passing, like kind of like in in Secret of the Sword when the sorceress tells Adora, you know, for the honor of Grayskull, and Adora's kind of like for the honor of Grayskull, like when she <laughs> did that, boom, that transformation should have happened, and that's what happens here, right? Adam yeah. just reads it. He's like, by the power of Grayskull. I have the power. It's like going to be one of those type of like, what am I reading? And then boom, that's when the transformation sequence happens. And I've heard criticism of this script that there is no transformation sequence. And we mentioned earlier, there are two transformation sequences for He-Man, this being the first one. And during this transformation sequence is when he gets, you know, the power, basically he's healed his shoulder and his arm um, get healed during the transformation process. And he kind of starts to like glow a bit, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, beautiful. And I mean, I think I he's supposed just... to be bulked up and that sort of thing. Yeah, and I mean, like, it, it definitely was described very well. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, mean, he doesn't go into huge detail because this is a script. This yeah. is not the special effects department. So I, I think it was, <clears throat> it's definitely there. I think it's fine. Definitely. Now, Martin, you as well, you would consider this to be a transformation sequence, correct? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not our traditional transformation sequence you know where adam becomes he-man um, I, th- I think that's debatable well i mean it is but it isn't i mean we, we one thing is we can't tell in in the script if this if adam into you know the idea the the myth the he-man um which he's never really called he-man he's still referred to as adam uh, in a lot of this after he be- does this transformation sequence but um we can't tell in the script if he's going to be bulkier or look yeah, any different. But, really. but again, I, I think that's more to do with the, he was kind of leaving it up to the special effects department. It's it's very ambiguous. Yeah. But I can't. I don't think you can say this isn't like our traditional uh, transformation sequence. It's just we don't know. 
That's true. We don't know. I fear that it will not be, though. But I still get a transformation sequence, not one but two, so I probably would have been pleased. And I also like that when this first transformation sequence happens, that's whenever, you know, Grayskull explodes, right? Like the light, like from Mike Young, the light comes out of the eyes and all this right, stuff. And, exactly. and it, it, it takes away all the darkness um, on Eternia, like the light returns. Right. So I like that aspect as well. Um, you know, I don't know. You know what that reminds me of a lot is the. Remember the uh, there was an old, um, '80s storybook, The Thief of Castle Grayskull. I have the book. Can't remember the plot offhand. Uh, basically, it's the plot's very similar to this film. Our Skeletor is like taking over, and there's darkness everywhere. And and when He Man basically he steals Castle Grayskull off to this land of of darkness and that sort of thing, and then. He-Man wins, and Castle Grayskull brings the light back over the darkness. It's very similar to what we've got here. Well, good, I don't know if that was uh, intentional or not. But. Well, then maybe we just need to send somebody that other He-Man storybook, and we got our movie. There we go. But, uh, so, <laughs> I love how it heals him. I, that's why I love that, you know, he got injured um, earlier, you know, a couple pages before that. Well, not a couple, but significantly before yeah. that. But it heals him. You know, the sorceress. About twenty minutes ago. <laughs> now, one thing I don't like is the sorceress says, "The power is yours." I believe is her line, and I remember this because that's what Captain Planet says: "The power is yours." I would rather her say something like, "You know, you have the power," or something. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Just saying, it's a little nitpick, if I may. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So, um, but but we should say he's not He-Man. He's still Adam. He is the He-Man of legend, right? Mm. But he's still Adam. Do we yes. like this? What are our opinions? There's really no secret identity going on here. I've never thought that the whole secret identity thing was, you know, integral. Even though I did like it, um, but I could live without it. It's one of those things that I could easily live without. And in this. He still has the, uh, by the power of Grayskull, I have the power thing, mm-hmm. which I think is, that's the main thing I would miss from the transformation. Mm-hmm. So if he still did that, and that just sort of gave him power rather than transforming him physically, that would still work for me. Yeah, I mostly agree with that. I um, I would rather we kept the the whole secret identity thing intact. Uh, I like the way it was handled, particularly like the way it was handled in the Mike Young series as to the the reasons why and that sort of thing. Um, but in the context of this film and this mythos that he was trying to create, this was fine. I could live with this. I would rather it be closer to what the traditional basic mythos but i don't have a problem with it in in this story kind of like you know i don't have a problem with uh you know he manages the the jungle barbarian in the early mini comics in the context of those stories it was fine i still prefer our filmation style story but i can live with it in in this sort of alternate reality that's being developed yeah, I mean, it definitely works for this, especially how they set up, you know, there is that whole legend that seems to kind of be well-known, you know, about this fallen sun. Like, even, I think Evil Lynn at one point says to Skeletor, like, you can be the sun that comes back right. know, to, to save everyone, you know, instead of Adam. So, 
I kind of like that. I, I don't know. I just love... I mean, my favorite aspect of He-Man and She-Ra is the transformation sequence. And while, yes, I get one here, I don't know if it would be the same without a secret identity. I mean, does he always... We don't know, though. We don't know, like, how does he always have to say, you know, by the... Like, is the power just in him now forever? Does he have to continuously reactivate it? These are questions that would be answered in a sequel, so... Yeah. I, I guess I can live with it for now. But we do get a transformation sequence. Um, and that's when he goes down, uh, right? He goes into battle. And um, he's, you know, much more powerful now. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the second transformation sequence when he meets well, yeah, Skeletor. He, yeah, he goes out and does uh, starts a, a battle with Skeletor. The, uh, the ultimate battle between good versus evil, He-Man versus Skeletor... And I thought, while there are some aspects of it that are really cool, compared to all the other battles we've had, or maybe because of all the other battles we already had, it seemed a little, um, a little bit of a of a of a letdown. Well, to me though, it shouldn't be as epic, just because Adam was able to survive all those other battles as Adam. So now that he's empowered as He Man, um, you know, it seems to be able to to overthrow. Um, you know, Skeletor, who's already kind of weakened and decaying, um, should be not too difficult of a task for him to uh, accomplish. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's not really the way it goes, though, because Skeletor, you know, he he whips out that sort of darkness uh, thing and becomes like bigger physically. I think similar probably to the '87 movie. He's well, like yeah, a bigger... but I mean, you have to remember the dark may eclipse. You know, the dark may embrace the light, but never. <laughs> So, I mean, like, in, you it, you have to look at this scene as you know, you're this late into the movie. Skeletor is not going to win. No. You know what I mean? Like, that's, like, that's kind of the, like, you can't look at it, in my I, mind, you can't look at it as, like, an epic battle. Because you know at this point in the movie what, what the result is going to be. I, I guess. it's it, That's what I wanted to see, though. I mean, I think you had an epic battle between, you know, more so between He-Man and Skeletor in the 87 film. Oh, okay. Um, see what I'm saying? I, I see your point. I think I was just not – I wasn't hearing your uh, your point of view correctly there. And now yeah, I the, think I see what you mean now. This battle is lackluster compared to – all. we've had so many battles already, some of which were, were very cool and very interesting. This one – this is supposed to be what everything's been leading up to. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just a little – less than what some of the others were I okay think. but i do like how and correct me if i'm wrong adam like throws the sword of light like taunting skeletor to go get it correct and yeah that's he like he, he pummels him and gets the sword of darkness in return yeah yeah that that was cool it was sort of a catching him off guard moment yes. that, that was pretty cool I, it, that harkened back to a lot of the uh, filmation victories i think where oh, he yeah he does something sort of clever and now, in, adi- in addition to his strength. This part I love because this is the second transformation sequence, as Martin reminded us of. And he puts the two swords together, creating the what? The what? The sword of power. Not the power sword. Not two halves of these whatever swords, but the sword of power. Which is what it's called, people. It's not the power sword. Anyway, it's called the sword of power. He puts it together and he gets all that. He gets armor (laughs) and the crest. It's kind of, in my opinion, described like he's kind of has the battle armor He-Man look, 
but instead of that H on his chest, that HM design, it's still the cross. You know, it's funny about that. I was picturing it more, and I mean, it, I don't. It's it's vague, so you can picture it a lot of different ways. I was actually picturing something more like the uh, the snake armor, but um, well, since a lot of this is MYP influenced, it could be. Go ahead, Martin. See, I took it to be. Uh, do you remember the armored suit in the art book with uh, the movie designs? Oh, I assumed it was that, but um, that they may have may or may not have been based on this script. But that was how I pictured it with the crest and the silver armor. Well, if you know what, you're probably correct, and I'm glad you pointed that out because, see, if handled correctly, right? If he had that suit from the art book, people would be mad. But I think if they did the battle armor He-Man look, people wouldn't mm-hmm. be as mad. As long as they use the crest instead of that weird symbol that battle armor has. Well, I'm talking battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They won't use, you know, that uh, that HM thingy that's on his chest on battle armor He-Man, but it would right. use the cross in the middle. Um, I, I think a lot of fans, I guess, I, I don't know. It seems like they don't want He-Man to look as naked anymore. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I, I'm fine. I like the sort of basic classic original He-Man look better, but I'm all right with, you know, I can live with battle armor. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to have a more classic look for He-Man in, in the first movie, at least. I mean, I, I did like the Snake Man armor, like the purpose behind them. So, I mean, like, they could always do that in the second movie. Um, since at the end we get a hint anyway that it's the Snake Men that are in the sequel. Right, right. Um, we should also point out that uh, during this uh, final battle, I can't remember if it's before or after he slams the two halves of the sword together. I think it's after. Uh, they finally do knock off Skeletor's mask. Oh, yes, and this is the part you did not like. Well, it was a gimmick. The, the, yeah. the chrome skull mask was there just so that they could try to do this reveal at the end, and I, I think it just falls flat, and it's too gimmicky, and you shouldn't have the chrome mask, didn't need it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's like you said, it, it was there for the reveal. And I mean, I don't think it was that spectacular of a reveal anyway, although, I mean, obviously we're just reading it. We're not seeing it. So, right. but eh. uh, the ending is, is all right. I mean, Skeletor, I, Skeletor dies, we yeah. should say. He just sort of crumbles well, away into a pile yeah. of bones. Yeah, I mean, he but that's what's weird, too, is uh, because then at the very end of the movie, we get another one of those like scenes like we did in the 87 movie where we have the chrome skull, right? And a snake is slithering by looking at it and then it, cr- you know, it gets engulfed you know, in- into the ground. Yeah, well, and the weird thing there, too, is it's supposed to be – it calls it a humble grave where Skeletor has been buried on the dark hemisphere. Who's left to <laughs> yeah. take Skeletor's body back to the dark hemisphere and bury it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I mean unless it was well it might have been the you know the masters that went and buried it just kind of maybe out of respect. I mean technically it is Adam's uncle. After all of this that to me is ridiculous. Yeah, that's true. I didn't <laughs> I didn't think about it that way really. It's just, he was someone... just a pile of bones. Let it lie or <laughs> stick it in the ground and that's it. Why <laughs> does he have this grave on the dark and they specifically say it's on the dark hemisphere they specifically and it's just and they specifically yeah. say it's a grave it's just weird it just doesn't make any sense maybe he would have explained it somehow in the sequel but i he already killed off anyway you know like you could have said maybe evil in 
what might have cared enough to take him and bury him off somewhere, maybe. Um, but she's dead. Well, All maybe his... maybe in the sequel we'd find out that it was Evil Lynn. Mm. Or was it Hordak or King Hiss? See, I don't see either one of them caring enough to go retrieve his body <laughs> and bury it. Well, that's true. I mean, really, Hordak would be like, ha-ha. But, you yeah. know. <laughs> it's strange. It's really strange. See, someone should have escaped, I think. Um, yeah, just looking have... at the other two, like, big toy franchise films, like Transformers, you had, like, at the end of the first film, Starscream escapes. And then in G.I. Joe, like, all the Cobra characters are still alive. They're just mostly imprisoned. Mm-hmm. But at this, nobody is alive. Yeah, Beastman is the only one. Of, yeah. of Skeletor's lackeys, Beastman is the only one that survives this film. Yeah, it's it's a little weird because I mean, if if it was somehow tied with the Snake Men, I mean, I who know? I don't know if the Snake is trying to tell us the Snake Men are in the sequel. The Snake Men saved Skeletor. Um, this is just a snake around Snake Mountain because it's really snaky around there. I mean, I don't know. Um, but it, it, you make a good point. Why would he be buried like this? Why wouldn't he have just been fully destroyed? Uh, it, it, like you said, it's, it specifically mentions that it is a grave. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to make of that. I mean, I kind of like that just because it's kind of like the – I mean, and it comes after the credits have rolled, just like in the 87 movie. Yeah. So I kind of like that nod. But, again, I don't know if it was really needed. Uh, Be- before that, they have their big uh, celebration, as expected, in the capital city. Um, which is a little too much like the uh, Ewok celebration in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> but um, the thing that I did think was, kind I guess, kind of cool, but... Uh, they show the Roderick character that's been sort of one of Man-at-Arms people for a while being uh, repaired, sort of. He was just a normal human before, and now he's got the mechanical neck and will be referred to henceforth as Mechanic. Mechanic, It says in the script. I like how Mechanic has gotten love in this script. And in the Mike Young show, because he's such like, I mean, like, in, you know, like they even say in the Mike Young show, like he wishes he didn't have such a lame of, you know, lame power. Yeah. Uh, and I like it's like the guy as simple as, you know, this just his neck goes, <laughs> you know, extends, gets yeah. gets some nice attention. I mean, I like it because it's, it's not one of those characters that has a lot of, you know, punch. I, I, I agree. And I, I mean, Fisto survives this film as well. Why is it, though, that that. Mechanic and Fisto characters that I I like, but wouldn't have cared as much that they if they got killed off, <laughs> survived the film. And Zodak and Randor and Evil Inn and, and Trapjaw and, Tri- and all these other guys, these these characters that I f- have always felt are much much more integral to Masters are killed off. It, it's just some strange choices made. I think. Well, uh, well, uh, the only reason, like I said, I can think of is just because there are so many characters that they wouldn't want to bring all of the evil people back. For a sequel, because if they're going to use, say, King Hiss in the second movie and then Hordak in the third movie, I mean, they have their own, you know, villains that come with them. And then if they still have to bring back Skeletor, you know, at some point into that, it's just too many people for them to handle. I mean, that's the only reasoning I can think of as to why he would kill them all off. Maybe. Still not pleased. 
Well, no, I, I agree. Because, I mean, <laughs> technically I would rather see probably a sequel that had... I don't know if I really... I don't really know if I want a movie with King Hiss. I don't know if King Hiss can carry a movie. I, I think if done right, it could, he could. Maybe if you had King Hiss and Skeletor, you could do it. Well, and you have a good point there because that seems... In, the way I read the end, that's what it seems like. King Hiss has something to do with bringing Skeletor back. Mm. Um, that's just me. But anyway, that was, uh, the, that was the entire script. The movie that could have been. The movie that could have been, but will no longer be. <laughs> and the, la- oh, the last thing we see with the heroes, we probably should just mention for so we don't drive people completely crazy who weren't not able to read this script. Uh, Adam leaves Mad at Arms in charge of the kingdom temporarily and rides off into the sunset to search for something, which I don't think is clear of what that is. uh, Yeah, the remnants of Skeletor's forces, I think. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Something to that effect. On his own, though. Shouldn't he ride off and look for his long-lost twin sister? (laughs) Just saying. But no, uh, uh, so maybe Beastman is actually dead, too. Because He-Man's going to find him and kill him. Could be. Could be. Maybe Man-at-Arms lent him his helmet and he can continue the beating. <laughs> yeah. um, here's an interesting note, though, that you pointed out that I had forgotten, that uh, he leaves Man-at-Arms you know, temporarily in charge. Maybe Man-at-Arms will assume the role of King in the next movie so that He-Man can be more of uh, an enforcer presence. Hmm. No, I would not like that. I mean, I don't. I don't want. I would not want to see Man at Arms as a king. But King, or maybe you just have like the uh, Masters as a, like a ruling council or something. Now that I could live with. Like if he brought back old school style, yeah, like where it was the the Masters cult that was kind of ruling everything, Hall of Wisdom style. Yeah. Yeah, that would be all right. I suppose the Hall of Wisdom is mentioned in this script. We should probably put it to briefly as yeah, like a very. temple. Yeah, very briefly, but it is in there. As like a temple place, not a place of, from from which it was ever ruled, I don't think. It was just sort of a a temple for the cult. True, but I do like that it was mentioned. Yes, I do too. So Something tr- that it did impress me about the script is that clearly Justin Marks has... Um, he either knew this beforehand or he's done his research, but there's lots of references to, you know, things that have existed in Masters of the Universe... Law, like the Doom Seekers and the Shadow Beasts and the Hall of Wisdom and King Grayskull and so on and so on. Yeah, he definitely I, he he had to have seen more than just the Mike Young series. I, I I suspect he was pretty familiar with with most of everything in the Masters universe. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I would definitely say he was given more than just say the Mike Young series Bible or something like that to you know to go yeah. off of when making the script. So I applaud him, especially if he did go out and do his own research or was already you know a fan of the the property. Because even a general fan is going to remember you know uh, some of the key elements because they're the ones that would stick with someone. You know, even if it's you know Castle Grayskull has the power in it and the sorceresses in Castle Grayskull. You know, people remember those mm. type of. Right. Uh, things that were long running in the series. So that's pretty good. But yeah, but by no means was this a bad script. Um, no, it, I, like, it's a, I think it was a very good script. Yeah, and I mean, like, if, if people are open to us, you know, and, you know, what I, I'm, I guess I'm open to new interpretations because we'll always have the original. 
Like, nothing can ever touch that. It's always the first thing that was He-Man. It's there. Um, It's not erased. Um, So I guess I don't mind tinkering with the property, you know, later on, because we'll always have it. And it's by no means unprecedented. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Batman of the 1989 film, or of the Dark Knight film, is a much different Batman than the Batman of the 60s cartoon series, or, or uh, you know, live-action series, or the, the 30s comics, so... Yeah, and, I like, mean, the, yeah, I, I totally agree, because even, you know, like, with Tim Burton's Batman, you could actually understand what he was saying, and then Chris Nolan's Batman is, Rachel, and you can't really understand what he's saying. <laughs> so I totally get your point on that. So even very similar ones, you know, look and feel, Burton and... Nolan's Batman can be different. Yes. I'm very much open to new interpretations as well. The thing that I don't want to see is just the same story over and over again. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, in different formats. Hey, that's a good point. Because, like, I mean, we already had 130 episodes of the original He-Man. We had 65 of New Adventures. We had 39 of the Revival. And and really, the revival, I mean, yes, it had different elements like King Grayskull and stuff, but for the most part, it's kind of It was like... just a straight-up retelling of the story yeah. with a few different character origins. So, And who knows, with this actually on screen, if people would actually go into a movie with an open mind, I think they'll enjoy it a lot more than if they go in saying, like I would, if I don't have that transformation sequence, I'm just going to be sad. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think uh, I I agree that they can they can go different ways with the story. I don't I, I as well like Martin said don't want to see just rehashing of the same things. By that same token, though, I do think there were some key elements that they could have left alone and made interesting, like sure. the secret identity thing, like not killing off Randor in the first five minutes. <laughs> You know, those kinds of things, I don't, you know, I, I think you could strike a little bit more of a balance. This this script, well, a very, very good script. It's not the Masters movie I wanted to see because it, it was a little too much of a departure. Not not a lot too much. Just a little too much of a departure. I probably would have liked it. <laughs> I, I, I think really, I would have liked it. Yeah, I really can't see myself hating this if this was the movie I went to see. I just can't see myself hating it. I wouldn't have hated it either. I, I just, like I said, I think it could have, it's not the Masters movie I want to see. I think it would have been a very good Masters movie. Okay, I can see your point. Like, had I done it, I would have done it this way. But since I didn't get to do it, I mean, I'll settle for this because it's going to entertain me. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Fair enough. So we all kind of like the script, surprisingly, because I believe online a lot of the reviews, well, some of them gave it some good reviews. Yeah. So some were like, this is not man Ah, uh, so I don't know. I thought it was He-Man for the most part, with some changes. You be the judge if you ever read it. So I'm glad you stuck around for that, uh, and we hope we opened your eyes to what possibly could be something that comes along. Be prepared for some changes in He-Man. Embrace it. You might like it. You can have the power. You can be a hero with He-Man. <laughs> and that's my advertising spill. Thanks for listening. I'm John Callis, also known as the Shadow. I'm Martin Penny, also known as Wacky Martin. And I'm Just Lancourt, also known as Just Lancourt. Good, Good journey. journey! Which they did not say in this movie. Someone should add that to the script. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> True. Oh.